Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot, save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six ends remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. So is WCBN FM in Ann Arbor. It's a little after 6.30 p.m., and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and Jim is off tonight. Uh, he should be back with us next week. Kind of a bummer, because I was wondering what he thought of the uh, <laughs> debate between Father Knows Best and Eddie Munster. Well, Paul Ryan, uh, to give him a little credit... Not much, but a little bit. Uh, certainly surpassed the Dan Quayle, Sarah Palin high bar or low bar, however you prefer. Um, he did look a little nervous at times, kind of like he had eaten a canary before uh, the debate. Uh, but I thought overall he was he stuck to the talking points effectively. Uh, Unfortunately, the media's omission of his biggest whopper, what he claimed towards the end of the debate, that America has the smallest Navy since World War II. I think that that's palpably false. That's just a nonsensical claim. Um, I don't recall the United States having nuclear submarines uh, following World War II, just for starters. And... Uh, I once saw a comparison between the United States and China with respect to aircraft carriers. We have perhaps retired one or two, but to our ratio, our advantage there was uh, 12 to 1. Uh, it's important to remember that the United States continues to spend more on defense than the rest of the developed nations in the world combined. So the suggestion somehow that uh, America somehow has the smallest navy since World War II is rubbish. Uh, I thought uh, Maureen uh, Dowd's uh, use of the metaphor budget blarney was uh, pretty good. Uh, obviously, we probably have two uh, sort of uh, 
Irish Catholic types here uh, debating. And I thought that Biden was most effective uh, in rebuttal. He just simply was on top of facts. He understood policies. He had details. And uh, his use of the word malarkey, which I think he used twice, uh, certainly came across effectively uh, in terms of the verbal presentation. Now, it is true that he might have laughed a bit too much, smiled a bit too much, and had a kind of a bob and weave. <laughs> but uh, he did his job uh, effectively. And I think that, uh, quite frankly, uh, the, the real key for Obama in tomorrow night's debate, and I realize that rebuttal is not quite as big a part of the so-called town debate, town hall debate, but I think it, it w will be very necessary for Obama to uh, utilize rebuttal when Mitt Romney makes false assertions. Uh, last week, I thought the best sort of uh, analysis that I heard in the media about Obama's problem uh, in the first debate, uh, sort of turning to that very quickly, was... Um, Jeffrey Nunberg had a pretty outstanding commentary on fresh air uh, earlier last week in which he suggested that Obama's fundamental problem in debate number one, uh, dis despite the uh, moderator's uh, problems, was that he thought he was uh, showing up for a TV uh, uh, rendition or edition of Meet the Press whereas Mitt Romney uh, realized that this was reality television, that this was, uh, as he put it at one point, the QVC Home Shopping Network. And I think that that is uh, a very Im important aspect of how the media uh, portrays this thing. I think it's unfortunate that the media is looking for so-called performance, uh, style over substance. They're looking for zingers. Ronald Reagan, back in 1984, had a very dismal first debate performance. Uh, he was befuddled by facts, appeared to be lost at times, and we probably really had the uh, early onset of Alzheimer's on display. But what Romney, or what Reagan did effectively in debate number two, and he only did one thing effectively, he memorized one joke that he uh, utilized against Mondale at a certain point regarding the fact that he would not take advantage of his opponent's youth and inexperience. Um, and uh, that's uh, the unfortunate aspect of these TV debates. David Carr, a media critic in the uh, New York Times, um, noted in his column uh, today, actually, uh, discussing the John F. Kennedy Nixon debate, uh, which uh, ironically and interestingly occurred on the 26th of September, 1960, uh, talks about how that changed um, television political history forever. And uh, he cites a um, number of, of studies regarding the importance of television, the, the split uh, screen perspective, etc., etc. Uh, it's interesting to note, by the way, back in 1960, people that listened to the debate on the radio thought Nixon won the debate, whereas on television uh, he came across uh, visually poorly 
and had that sort of oily look of a used car salesman. Um, as he notes, um, interestingly, by the way, that the 1858 Douglas-Lincoln debates, which, uh, as I recall when I read the biographies of Abraham Lincoln, would sometimes go on for three hours. Uh, the French, by the way, have a three-hour debate. Um, and, of course, the French has a parliamentary system. Their elections are quite brief. And at a certain point in this uh, process, this uh, horrible way that we elect presidents here in the United States, uh, never mind the fact that, I mean, this is coming down to nine nine states uh, a lot of reportage, by the way, that Romney has closed the gap in Michigan. I think that that analysis is poor. Um, Obama actually went up in the polls despite his debate performance. The difference, if you look closely at the data, is that what Romney did is was he went up in the undecided portion of the polls. He basically converted undecided Republicans to finally support him. He was at a dismal 37%. So when he went, went up to 43%, the media is reporting this as a big move in the polls and the closing of the gap. Uh, this is not what's happened in Michigan. If it had happened, Romney would certainly be in Michigan campaigning. Uh, he has sent some surrogates here. And uh, perhaps we will even see some uh, television spending by the Romney campaign yet. Who knows? I suspect that the town hall format uh, will work uh, possibly a little bit to, Romney, uh, to, to Obama's advantage because I think he can answer the questions a little more directly and honestly. Uh, Romney's and Ryan, for, uh, for uh, getting back to him, have both bobbed and weaved quite well so that Obama has to realize, unfortunately, that he is not showing up for an edition of Meet the Press. He's showing up for a reality TV show, and he needs to put on a performance. That involves acting. And it's very interesting that, uh, that Ronald Reagan was always called the great communicator. Well, he was an actor. He was a spokesman for GE for uh, many, many years. He delivered TV speeches as well as political speeches throughout his career, and there is an element of all of this silliness to the American presidential process in which it becomes a show, a TV show. Um, Obama needs to defend and explain the stimulus to the public. He should not get into the weeds of Romney's uh, sort of confusing attacks regarding the deficit and taxes. Uh, it is Congress's responsibility to deal with the deficit and to raise the taxes. That's called Article 1, Section 8. End of story. Let's move on. Um, and I think that one of the reasons that Martha Raddatz, the, medi uh, the mediator or the moderator in the second debate, kept the debate moving quite effectively was that she didn't allow... First of all, she uh, adhered a little bit to the time limits... Uh, regarding questions and rebuttal, but she moved things forward with follow-up questions quickly. She didn't allow uh, either candidate, uh, either Romney or Biden, or excuse me, Brian or uh, Biden, to just simply fall back on talking points as much as uh, Paul Ryan wished to remain 
in the talking points um, realm. I also think it's exceedingly unfortunate that this Libya issue has become sort of a campaign issue all of a sudden, because I think that with the facts on the media presentation of the of the situation in Libya and the administration's response um, is is one of those situations where it's interesting how different um, the media's expectations are regarding Obama's response versus, say, George Bush's response to 9-11. Uh, you will recall that the Bush administration stonewalled investigations into 9-11 for several years. Then when um, they finally set up a, a, a commission to investigate it, um, they insisted that only Condoleezza Rice would be uh, questioned for only five minutes. So they, they put a lot of restrictions on what the public was expected to know. I think the facts on Libya are still a little unclear. Obviously, there was an assault on the consulate. Um, whether al-Qaeda per se was behind it or not, uh, given the fact that it was a, uh, an event that uh, coincided with the anniversary of 9-11, I think is still uh, open for uh, investigation. And I don't think we have a heck of a lot of intelligence about what really happened. I also think that some of the sort of micro-analysis of what the administration said and when they said it is sort of um, minor stuff. Yes, uh, there have been, there's been unrest that's spread around uh, the Middle East following this um, YouTube uh, uh, video th uh, trailer that appeared uh, before the Libyan consulate was attacked. It's unclear, pr given the, the uh, sort of uh, sort of vagueness of all the facts, exactly um, what happened and when it happened. One of the reasons there was a lot of confusion, if you actually go back to the sort of first uh, real uh, reportage on the matter, uh, if you go back to the 14th of September, Friday um, edition, for instance, of the New York Times, you'll discover that part of the video claims were actually promulgated by um, Mr. Sharif, who turns out to be a deputy interior minister. He said, and I'm sort of paraphrasing here, in an article by... Suleiman Aliswa and Rick Gladstone. He said, uh, Mr. Stevens and a second American diplomat were killed in the initial attack, which began as a disorganized but angry demonstration by civilians and militants outside the American consulate on Tuesday, the anniversary of 9-11. The protests escalated into an assault by as many as 200 people, some armed with grenades who had set the building on fire. Um, so there's a little, there's still a little bit of uncertainty exactly who was protesting, what they were protesting about, and whether this in fact was an organized um, terrorist attack, quote unquote. It's funny that Paul Ryan would insist that 
Barack Obama call this attack for what it is, a terrorist attack, and then make the larger argument, which I think is false, that, that's basically false, that because there are demonstrations occurring around the Arab world in protest to America, that somehow Obama is responsible for this. The United States has had a long and complicated uh, history in the Middle East that precedes Barack Obama. Uh, let's recall that uh, Ronald Reagan bombed Libya in April of 1986 uh, in response at the time, allegedly, to uh, Libya's involvement in the German, uh, German discotheque incident. Um, France and German uh, prime ministers at the time, basically Kohl in Germany and uh, Mitterrand in France, and even the Spanish uh, government at the time, uh, were asking for more information proving this Libyan um, involvement in the German discotheque bombing. If you will recall from the attacks that Ronald Reagan uh, initiated against Libya in April of 1986, uh, he attempted to actually kill Gaddafi, one of Gaddafi's adopted uh, children died in a, an attack. And Benghazi itself was attacked by Ronald Reagan. Uh, there were attacks on both um, Benghazi and Tripoli. It's interesting at the time, if you recall the military attacks, the United States went out of its way to launch the attacks from Great Britain. And they, uh, because they were not given airspace clearance by France and Spain, uh, Ronald Reagan went to great lengths to fly around the Iberian Peninsula uh, from Great Britain, when, of course, this was entirely unnecessary. Um, we have aircraft carriers in the Mediterranean, and this unnecessary distance of uh, the air attacks uh, was never really answered other than to suggest to the public that Great Britain supported what we were doing, which I'm sure at the time they were, since Margaret Thatcher was in charge of the British government. Um, so uh, who attacked uh, Benghazi, why they attacked, is still a little murky. And I am somewhat surprised. I'm not surprised that the Republicans are trying to raise this into a big issue. But I, I don't think that the, the talking points that the Republicans are trying to make uh, are entirely persuasive. And um, given the fact that Obama uh, killed uh, bin Laden, Obama participated in the uh, overthrow of Gaddafi at the end of the day, with air power, I might add, no troops on the ground. That's very important to uh, note. Suddenly, the uh, Republican Party is continuing to push this idea that we should intervene in Syria. Well, uh, Biden, I thought, answered that pretty well. He just said, look, Syria is more complicated. This is a regional problem. And as I would argue, the Syrian uh, civil war, because it's certainly a civil war at this point, is really a proxy uh, Middle East war in which uh, Iran, allied with Iraq, quite interestingly, is defending the Assad regime while uh, the Gulf states and Saudi Arabia are backing this vague and kind of in unorganized um, group called the Free Syrian Army. We don't know exactly who's in the Free Syrian Army. 
And indeed, there have been extensive reports that there are elements of al-Qaeda in the so-called Free Syrian Army. Romney and Ryan are coming out publicly and essentially agreeing with John McCain and Lindsey Graham and Joe Lieberman that we need to start another war in the Middle East. Ryan even suggested that, that this was occurring with respect to Iran. Biden questioned him and said, well, where are we falling short? What would you do? Uh, are you advocating war, yes or no? Pointing out that Iran at the moment is as isolated as they've ever been, that the sanctions are having a serious impact on the Iranian government, and that, in fact, U.N. inspectors, uh, while still in some elements of negotiations, reported several months ago that Iran's uh, uranium is only uh, enriched up to 20%. They are far, sh far short of any actual bomb, if that's what the technical argument is. Um, so... When you begin, like, kind of taking the big picture, obviously Barack Obama's uh, presidency, his re-election, is still kind of on the line tomorrow. Uh, I don't think he can perform poorly. I don't think he needs a knockout blow. I think that the economic uh, data continues to improve. I pointed out several weeks ago that the Romney-Ryan ticket were suggesting um, for a couple of weeks there that uh, they were using the argument, are you better off than you were four years ago? And I s suggested that that would fall by the wayside quite quickly as we were approaching the four-year anniversary of the financial crisis. Well, guess what? That's what's happened. Haven't heard much of that, are you better off than you were four years ago? More continuing evidence. We have improvements in housing. We continue to ha see uh, initial unemployment uh, claims kind of mosey downward. I like to look at, at long-term graphs on, on the, this sort of thing. Uh, we continue to have um, improved uh, consumer confidence, for instance. Um, there seems to be more uh, bar consumer borrowing going on, which is never necessarily a good thing, but certainly uh, is uh, an indication that people have more confidence. You can look at construction spending. That's kind of edging upward. So while these numbers are not spectacular, they're not quite as apocalyptically bad as Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan are suggesting. And as for the deficits and the taxes, I want to get back to Article 1, Section 8 of the United States Constitution, because that seems to be conveniently ignored in all of this elaborate discussion of deficits and taxes. America simply has a structural problem with um, not collecting enough revenue to pay for the government that, that we have. And this structural problem dates back to Ronald Reagan when the top rates were, were cut. And as I pointed out in Bruce Bartlett's book, uh, the, the Congress back in the 80s, to minimize the impact of those large deficits, passed several tax increases that Reagan signed. Uh, this included, by the way, the doubling of the Social, Social Security payroll tax that both individuals and businesses pay. I pointed out a couple of weeks ago that Medicare is not in this uh, dismal economic uh, shape that Paul Ryan suggests. It's actually uh, only parts B and D are, are funded out of general revenue. And the payroll tax on Medicare is 1.45%. Well, that can be tweaked to improve the solvency of Medicare, 
which Biden correctly pointed out has actually improved under the Obama uh, presidency. So Obama needs to defend Medicare. He also needs to point out for the record, you know, when there's this continuing uh, claim that he hasn't done anything for the economy, he needs to explain how the stimulus package prevented the economy from going into the tank. He needs to explain that the stimulus package was basically one-third aid to the states, one-third tax cuts, and one-third actual uh, pump priming, uh, John Maynard Keynes-style economics of uh, direct spending. It's interesting to note, following the catastrophic um, debt ceiling crisis that the Republicans in Congress created back in uh, late July, early August of 2011, in October, uh, Barack Obama proposed a $447 billion jobs bill. Uh, this, according to the Wall Street Journal, dated the 7th of October, 2011, just over a year ago. Um, what's Congress done with this jobs bill? They've, they've obstructed it. They haven't done anything about the jobs bill. So um, o o Obama needs to defend what he's been doing. And I think that in the first debate, he got a little bogged down in Mitt Romney's talking points. He needs to make his own talking points. He needs to assert, this is what I've done. This is what I will do. And uh, I'm going to correct you on the facts, Mr. Romney. So we'll see if that happens. Um, I have suggested, by the way, that the media has a narrative. And that narrative that the media is promoting is that uh, we still have a horse race. That was what uh, David Gergen said following the first uh, Obama-Romney debate. Um, the public, yes, they agreed that uh, on style, um, Mitt Romney was very aggressive and that he won the debate. But I don't know that he's won the substance of the actual arguments of the debate. Yes, Mitt Romney's likability numbers have gone up a little bit. But how fascinating that after early votings had started in a number of states, Mitt Romney uh, suddenly, and of course some of the states, uh, it's uh, mainly Republicans that are voting early, would then come out with a kind of squishy comment about abortion that his campaign aides had to walk back. That's, that's, that's been the phrase that they frequently use about Mitt Romney, uh, you know, that his campaign aides have to walk back on, on one of Mitt Romney's gaffes. And he continues to commit these gaffes out on the campaign trail. Um, so he had to walk back on the abortion uh, situation. And then he had to claim, I will be pro-life, after he suggested that he would uh, not do any, uh, um, would not introduce any legislation to uh, uh, restrict abortion. Ignoring the fact, by the way, that Paul Ryan is a co-sponsor with a bill by uh, Mr. Aiken, the uh, Republican candidate for Senate in the state of Missouri that made those unbelievable comments about rape and pregnancy several months ago that Paul Ryan is a co-sponsor of a bill just to do just that. Um, hmm. This is this flip-flop stuff that uh, continues to puzzle the public. Another very interesting uh, issue that I don't know will come up, but I have a feeling it will, simply because it's been reported in the media repeatedly that college 
debt that uh, people have now, uh, college debt, uh, people borrowing money to go to college, exceeds credit card debt in the United States. Well, it's interesting, this summer, Tom Harkin, the Iowa senator, whose uh, Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions probed 30, and this is from The Nation magazine, dated the 24th of September, probed 30 for-profit colleges, half of which are publicly traded, such as the Apollo Group's University of Phoenix and the Washington Post's Kaplan Higher Education. The results were staggering. The for-profit schools take in about 10 to 12 percent of all students of higher education, Harkin told National Public Radio, but they account for 50 percent of the defaults. Right away, you look at that and you say something isn't right here. These for-profit programs appeal largely to lower-income people and veterans looking to earn degrees on their own time uh, through online classes. And by the way, this is one of Romney's uh, big uh, proposals to improve education here in the United States as part of his so-called jobs uh, proposal that's going to create 12 million jobs. Many of these institutions can cost up to 420% more than their public counterparts, and in some cases even more than Ivy League colleges. Plus, the vast majority of students enrolled, 95% will seek federal or private loans to pay for the tuition. The result? At a time when public institutions facing debilitating budget cuts, 86% of the for-profit college's revenues come from taxpayers to the tune of $32 billion. Uh, in the most recent year. Only 17% of this revenue goes to actual education. 22%, roughly $4.2 billion, is spent on marketing and recruiting schemes that have been criticized as relying on predatory practices. Have a feeling that there's going to be a question about colleges. Might be nice if the public got a better idea of Mitt Romney's for-profit college plan that he's got. Uh, Mitt Romney, of course, committed a gaffe earlier this summer, said, oh, if you're going to go to college, uh, ask your parents for money. And as the mayor of San Antonio put it so well at the Democratic Convention, gee, why didn't I think of that? Well, I would suggest to uh, Barack Obama <laughs> that if uh, Romney starts going into the weeds of his uh, for-profit college uh, improving the job skills that's going to create all these jobs that he claims, that I would suggest that you ask Mitt Romney for the money to go to college. He seems to be a well-heeled individual. A little after 7 p.m., you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up. Just one final uh, note, and this is a very brief item. i got to love this. I don't know who, who this guy was going to vote for, but in Florida... Uh, just a couple of days ago, the authorities say that the winner of a much of a roach eating contest died shortly after downing dozens of bugs and worms. Officials at Broward County's Sheriff Department said on Monday that they were awaiting an autopsy to, de to determine the cause of death. The contestant, Edward Archibald, 32, collapsed at a reptile store in Deerfield beach soon after winning the contests. Officials said that no other contestants fell ill. So much for eating roaches. I don't know if that's part of reality TV, but I'm sure it is. Yazoo City Calling, coming up next.
from the Delta to Chicago, New York to St.